All right. How are we doing this morning, guys? Good to see us all. Yes, mask free. I love it. It's nice to actually see how people are kind of feeling. It's very hard to like read people's expressions without their mouth. I always thought eyes were the window to the soul, but it turns out mouths are. Um, so it's really good to be able to see you all 100% face. Um, so guys, this morning I am speaking on how to pray for healing and restoration. Um, which, yeah, I mean, I think I, I, I owe it to everyone here from the outset to just recognize that it's a, it's a pretty dicey topic, <laughs> you know. Um, it's not something that's an easy theme to talk about for everyone. Um, and I think it's really, really important to recognize before I kind of go into today that there's some people in this room, some families, including my own, who have prayed for healing in the past, who've, who've begged, who've fasted, who've ticked all the boxes, who've, you know, crossed the T's and dotted the I's and still haven't seen healing and restoration in the way that we had expected, in the way that we'd envisaged, in the way that we'd hoped for. And Brian, it was really great, spoke last week on when God says no to prayer. So I think that we've kind of looked at that a little bit, so I won't bang on about that. Um, but I think it is important to acknowledge because I think it would be sort of, I mean, almost heretical and uh, lazy and dishonest of me today to stand up here and be like, hey, guys, here's 10 top tips to make sure that you see healing in your life. Um, I, just, I just don't think that that's helpful. <laughs> um, so I want to kind of look at something today that might be actually helpful for us when we're praying for healing and restoration. Um, because I, I was kind of quite taken aback when I was just meditating on, on this, this talk that even Jesus, right, in the Garden of Gethsemane, prays, God, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. <laughs> And as we know, God said no to that prayer, right? God denied himself. So I think by that fact, it's not such a crazy thought to think that maybe sometimes God will answer our prayers for healing, for restoration in a different way to what we expect through our own human understanding. So it's something that we don't always speak about <laughs> um, because I think it starts to get a bit scary. But I think also as, as kind of modern day Christians, we can really lose the value of the fear of God. <laughs> and for me, I think the fear of God really comes in when I start thinking about the mystery of God. I start realizing that God maybe isn't as predictable as I thought he is. I start realizing that as Josh perfectly just read in Psalm 139.6, such knowledge is too wonderful, too lofty for my own understanding, right? So I want to explore the mystery of God today. I want to explore what that means when we're praying for healing and restoration. And I'm really actually confident today because I've kind of gone through this journey myself over the past couple of years. And I think that once we start to get a more eternal perspective of what true healing and restoration looks like in God's eyes when Jesus is actually doing it, then we can, we can pray with a lot more confidence, a lot more power, a lot more certainty, and from a theologically sounder place. So I want to look at a verse quickly that, that explores the mystery of God. Uh, 1 Timothy 3.16, beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. So we don't have all the answers, right? But 
how do we pray for healing then? And how do we pray for restoration? Because we definitely are called to do that. So how do we do that in this great unknown, this great mystery, which is God? Well, it's, it's kind of a, a really interesting thing when you start to be like, what is the actual ritual <laughs> that we have to do when it comes to healing and restoration? Um, and I don't have this on the slide, um, so just stay with me. But this is just a, a little quote from a Christian writer co- called John Eldridge. Um, and he says, if you wanted to learn how to heal the blind and you thought that following Christ around and watching how he did it would make things clear, well, you'd wind up pretty frustrated because he never does it the same way twice. He spits on one guy. For another, he spits on the ground and makes some mud and puts that in the guy's eyes. To a third, he simply speaks. A fourth, he touches. And for a fifth, he kicks out a demon. I mean, there's no formula with God. The way in which God heals our wound is a deeply personal process. He's a person And he insists on working personally. For some, it comes in a moment of divine touch. For others, it takes place over time and through the help of another, maybe several others. So we looked at that 1 Timothy 3.16 verse before. It was actually only the first half of that verse you may have noticed. Because there is to the mystery, the, 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 the mysterious eternal question, which is God, there's an equally expansive inconceivable, wonderful answer that we've been given. And that comes in the form of Jesus. So the second half of that verse, it reads, beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. Answer. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. Jesus is the answer to this great eternal mystery. Right, But that still doesn't really answer it, does it? Because the reality is Jesus, as we've just seen in that quote by John Eldridge, isn't always as predictable, isn't always as kind of easy to put into a box as we might think. So I think what will be cool today is if we look at how Jesus heals, we look at Jesus's eternal perspective to healing and restoration, And maybe we can start praying with eternal perspective, or at least a little bit more eternal perspective. We're never going to fully comprehend the majesty, which is the God that we worship. We're never going to fully comprehend Jesus. It says time and time again in the Bible. But I think as we start to develop a more eternal perspective, we're going to be able to pray more boldly, more effectively, and more theologically sound. All right, we excited? Can I hear an amen? All right, cool. So now that I've completely ruined the mood, I've really brought it down, I'm very aware of this, I want to I get excited now. I want to read um, the whole chapter of John 11. We'll jump through it, and I think it's going to be really, really helpful for us today to look at what it really looks like to have eternal perspective, or at least a bit more eternal perspective when it comes to healing and restoration. So for those of you who know this story already, this is Lazarus being risen from the grave. And I think we quite often jump to the end of that story and go, yeah, Lazarus got risen from the grave. There's a lot of stuff that happens before that, which I think is really insightful and is really going to inform what healing and restoration actually looks like in the kingdom of Jesus. So it starts off verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, 
Martha, this, Ma- this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. See, I love the start to this because for all intents and purposes, they're doing all the right things, right? They're ticking all the boxes, right? Their brother is sick. They want him to be healed. They know Jesus. They love Jesus. And they call on Jesus' name for him to be healed, right? That, that seems like they're doing all the right things, right? So then we move on. Verse 4. When Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. So right here, Jesus is saying something that's a little counterintuitive to probably what Mary and Martha want to hear right now, right? He's not saying, yeah, I'm going to heal Lazarus so you can feel happy again, so you can feel safe, so you can have a great life. He's saying, I am going to heal him for my glory, for the glory of God, for the glory of Jesus' name. And I think that that is a really fundamental eternal perspective that we can shift in our minds, okay? Because at the end of the day, it's all for the glory of God. Why does God do anything? Why does Jesus do anything? It is all for the glory of God. And I think it's really easy for us to understand that when we're going to work, when we're walking around our day-to-day life. But suddenly when it comes to something that's so emotive and so personal, like healing and restoration, suddenly... We're not seeing it with that eternal perspective. We're seeing it from a very closed-minded human perspective. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. It's all for the glory of God. So if we jump to verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he, he stayed where he was. For two more days. Hmm. It's probably... No, that's what it says. He stayed where he was for two more days. Um, okay, so this, this doesn't really make sense, right, to our human perspective. <laughs> because, I mean, Jesus loves these people. He's been, he's been called. He knows. He's heard the prayer. And yet he goes, you know what? I'm going to do this for my glory. But I'm, I'm just going to stay where I am for two more days. It's pretty hard to hear. It's probably not what Mary and Martha wanted to hear. Can you imagine what Mary and Martha's reaction probably was to Jesus being like, yeah, I've heard that Lazarus, this brother of yours that I love so much, is dying and you want him to be healed, but I'm just going to stay here for two more days. I mean, Jesus, don't you you care? Uh, I mean, I've I've done everything that I'm supposed to do, right? Why why aren't you coming? Why aren't you coming now? My my brother is sick, right? My, My brother, who in that time we need to understand was also their social and economic security, right? This brother that they love so much. This, this, is, this is their whole world is, is shattering beneath them. And Jesus is saying, I'm just going to stay here for two more days. It's like, Jesus, like, where are you in this situation, right? I, I sat at your feet. I poured perfume over you. I washed your feet with my hair. I, 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 I've done everything that I'm supposed to do. And you're just going to stay where you are for two more days. 
because we, we don't have that eternal perspective. We just, we don't, because we have human hearts. But I think when we start delving into what Jesus's view of restoration and healing is, what God's view of restoration and healing is, it suddenly changes everything. When does Jesus heal? It's all in God's timing. <laughs> and that is some pretty shallow words for some people, I understand. It doesn't really sound like great solace and comfort in the midst of the, the valley of the shadow of death, right? But again, as Josh read in Psalm 139, in the highest of highs and in the lowest of lows, God is there. So how can we continue to develop an eternal perspective and be understanding that God is there even in these moments, even when it's not panning out the way that we had hoped, it's not panning out the way we've kind of been promised? What are we going to do with this? 2 Peter 3, 8 to 9 says, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. As some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Jesus is doing something in this moment. We're not seeing, we're not hearing, we're not comprehending, but Jesus is doing something in this moment still. And if we can continue to develop an eternal perspective about what healing and restoration looks like for God through Jesus, we can get a glimpse into that. I loved this verse, Romans 8, 28. It's the Living Bible Translation. Um, it says, and we know that all that happens to us is working for our good if we love God and are fitting into his plans. <laughs> How often are we expecting God to kind of fit into our life, to kind of fit perfectly into that little five minutes of quiet time into, oh, okay, cool, I'm ready to listen to you now, God. You know, we are fitting into God's eternal story. It's not about us trying to figure out how we can fit God into our lives. It's about us being constantly formed, shaped, growing into a vessel for God that can fit into his eternal story. Are you expecting God to fit into your life right now? Or are you asking God how you can fit into his life? Where's your heart at? Where's your mind at? Where's your soul at? Because if you're asking God, where are you? Well, maybe God's asking, well, where are you? So let's jump back into this story because this is so cool. Martha has some eternal perspective that blew my mind when I reread this and I think is going to really open up some of your minds. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you'd been here, my brother would not have died. You could have healed him. You totally could have healed him. But, verse 22, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. See, Mary's saying, yeah, you could have healed, but I'm still believing that you can heal. 
Mary's doing something pretty phenomenal right now. She's not letting her situation compromise her faith. She's allowing her faith to compromise her situation. Let me say that again. She's not allowing her situation in this moment to compromise her faith. She's allowing her faith to compromise her situation. She's saying, even though this is my situation right now, I'm not allowing that to compromise my faith. But it gets even better. That's not even the best bit. You ready for an insight into eternal perspective? Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Mary answered, or Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. That's some eternal perspective. Okay, so Martha is saying, yeah, you could have healed and you can heal. But I know that even now, if you don't, you will heal. Could, can, and will. That's eternal perspective. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Not who has come into the world, who is to come. She's talking about the resurrection. She's talking about complete fulfillment, complete healing, complete restoration. That's some eternal perspective right there, right? That's, that's completely shifting the paradigm of how we're expecting healing and restoration to work, right? Having eternal perspective. We need to understand regardless of our current situation, regardless of the result, that we are praying to a God who could have healed, who still can heal in this moment, but most importantly, far more important than anything else, who will heal absolutely in the final days. Because Martha proclaims in the midst of her grief, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come into the world. That's still not my favorite part of the story. (laughs) The next part is my favorite part of the story. Because when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Sound familiar? It's the exact same phrase that Martha had said. The exact same phrase. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Except she's saying it through a complete different context. She's speaking out of a human heart. She's speaking out of grief. Where Martha is speaking out of glory, Mary is speaking out of grief. Out of a human heart, which we all have. She's grieving the loss of her brother. She's grieving the loss of her economic and social safety net, but probably most heartbreaking in this moment, she's grieving the loss of her faith. The same Mary who'd poured perfume on Jesus and washed his feet with her hair, the same Mary who'd sat at his feet and learned, is now losing her faith. So what does Jesus do? Does he admonish her? Does he rebuke her? Does he say, ye of little faith? No, of course not. In this moment, 
Jesus does what Jesus does best. He displays his full humanness. So he's displayed his full godness, his eternal perspective. And now to Mary, he displays his full human heart. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And then we see the shortest verse in the entire Bible, just two words that were deemed so important that they should get their own verse. Verse 35, Jesus wept. The God of the universe wept. Despite his eternal perspective in that moment, despite everything he knew that was about to come, he wept. It's not like a a single tear. It's not a little sniffle. It's It's a weep. It's a sob. It's a grief. He's there in the dust, in the grief. He's not trying to diminish the tragedy, which is death. He's not trying to diminish the sickness, the illness, the lack of fulfillness. He sees it all and he weeps. It's a story which perfectly represents Jesus as fully God with eternal perspective. And then the next second, we see his human heart as fully human. And he balances that perfectly. So I'm not going to say, hey guys, we just need to have eternal perspective. Because that's not helpful. (laughs) But I just want to point us to how Jesus views restoration to how Jesus views healing. He's with us in the moment, but he's also there for us in the days to come. Because Martha understood that she wasn't living in the last chapter of God's eternal story. She wasn't even living in the second last chapter at that point. We thankfully know that after that, Lazarus is risen mirroring what Jesus is about to do not too far in the distant future. God's glory. Jesus using this moment as a foreshadowing, as a teachable moment, as a moment to show glory to the Father. Verse 40. I might actually just get Dan to come up if that's cool. Verse 40. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you will always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and who had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. They're turning their attention from the world 
to the word. I just want to close with this final verse from James 5, 13 to 16. Because I think in all of this, it's important that we don't become discouraged, but we become empowered through eternal perspective. Is any one of you in trouble? They should pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? They should call the elders of the church and to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Physical sickness is a reality that we have to deal with because of our broken world. And it's something that God wants us to continue to be praying for. And I know that there's people in our congregation who right now have physical pain that needs healing, who have sickness that needs healing. I want to encourage you to continue to be faithful. I want to encourage you to continue to pray, even though right now you can't see God in it all. But I think that there's an eternal perspective that we can have where we realize that everything that's happening in our physical body is also kind of this metaphor for our brokenness on the inside. And I think that there's some of us here today who maybe have been ignoring some brokenness that's maybe not manifesting in the physical, but in the spiritual. I'm really believing this morning that God wants to heal some people of some addiction in their life, of some really negative thoughts in their heart. And I'd really like to encourage people who are feeling led for healing, whether it's in the physical or the spiritual, to head on over and seek some prayer, to write it down on cards, to put it in the box. Next week, we are going to come together as a church and pray for all of the prayer requests in this box, as our prayer team have already been doing, as a fellowship of believers. We're going to pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you have an eternal perspective which will never be fully comprehended by us. God, thank you that you sent Jesus to show us what it is for the God of the universe to have a human heart and still balance that with eternal perspective. God, as we pray for healing in our lives, as we pray for restoration in our communities, Lord, won't you lead us to the foot of the cross? Won't you help us to see that the one consistent factor, the one ingredient in all healing, in all restoration is Jesus. It is the only consistency. God, we submit to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.